Street Shipyard, a Midcoast, Maine boat building, repair, and storage facility located in Belfast. Front Street Shipyard on Penobscot Bay, offering dockage, service, and amenities for owners, captains, and crew. Online at frontstreetshipyard.com or 930-3740. Support for WERU also comes from Bruce Parley Incorporated, specializing in custom-built staircases and also fine-finished carpentry on yachts, trolleys, etc. since 1998, in Trenton at 479-4269 or brparley at gmail.com. It's 10 o'clock and you are tuned to WERU-FM 89.9 Blue Hill, 99.9 Bangor and streaming online at WERU.org. Boat Talk with your hosts Alan Sprague and Mike Joyce is up next. Good morning, good morning. That's uh, our friend's schooner fair piping in boat talk. And uh, well, I'm not, maybe it's not such a good morning. It's a wet morning, but for boat talk, that's probably okay. Boat talk is a call in show for people contemplating things naval with your rusty anchors, Mike Joyce and Alan Sprague. Uh, today, boat talk, the subject could run anywhere from herring schools to boat building schools, and I think we probably will, plus we're going to fit a lot of things in the middle. It is a call-in show, too. As I said, one 625 9378 is the number if you'd like to contribute. We're just going to jump right into uh, some local current events and then get to our guests who are here uh, we have Dean Pike of the Eastport Boat Building School and John Johansson of the Maine Coastal News. It's going to be a, a information-packed hour. Alan, it's uh, raining pretty hard out there today. I like to say the, the world is mostly water. There's more coming. It's good to be boat people. It is good to be boat people, yeah. Yeah. Now, how about the storm they just had in Hawaii last month? Uh, They had, what, three to five feet of rain? Oh, I I heard they were having a a hurricane go close by. No, they had a storm last month that uh, they literally had uh, three to five feet of rain in Hawaii. Not associated with the hurricane. Um, uh, Again, I should have looked more about the details there. I was more stunned by the amount of rain and how fast it it comes out of the sky. (laughs) they say what? An inch of uh, rain is a foot of snow? Yes, sir. Yeah. Trying yeah. try to imagine uh, 60. Especially in Hawaii, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God, 60 feet of snow. Um, but the other thing is, uh, and again, we're trying to uh, remind people of the global warming narrative. Uh, the air is warmer. It can hold a lot more water until it can't hold the water, and that's all going to fall out all at once. It does seem to, doesn't it? Yeah, and that hard rain is... Uh, uh, you've got nowhere to go. Um, it's physically threatening, too. I experienced it down in North Carolina a uh, season before this, and uh, it's physically threatening even to stand in the door and look outside. It's hard to drive. And, again, drainage is uh, where does the water go is the whole thing, yeah. So um, we got uh, uh, people from the uh, dean from the boat school and John Johansson in here this morning uh, some other people we're going to want to talk to, uh, the Shoals Marine Laboratory down the Isle of Shoals off of uh, the main New Hampshire border. 
they have been uh, having a research station out there for years, and they realize that their years of data are valuable, and they're looking into plastics. And, they don't uh, have to look far, do they? They don't have to look far at all. They, um, to date, it says here, they have found um, fragments of hard plastic, such as from a tool and an appliance, a uh, fishing line, fibers from items such as clothing, polystyrene, and nurdles, or tiny balls that uh, serve as the raw material for manufactured items. By far the most prevalent plastic is from single-use bags they're finding in the birds down there. Well, let's, let's do a little uh, round-table uh, question here. When you're sailing offshore, what kind of plastic do you do? We're talking about floating plastic now. I realize that there's lots of plastic in the water. But floating plastic, I'm going to say that one that I see most often is styrofoam cups followed closely by disposable diapers. I saw it again the other week. Uh, I've never gone to sea. I can't remember how long without seeing one of those mylar balloons out there. Happy mylar birthday. balloons, they're terrible for turtles, Happy too, Happy birthday, yep. How about so you, Dean? Uh, what, what's the most common plastic you have seen in your personal well, Bags, bags are a big one. Uh, up our way, of course, they can also be feed bags. Uh, and, of course, that's just the bane of anybody going, zipping along and your lower unit of a stern driver outboard grab it, uh, yeah. and it's instant overheat. Um, interesting problem for sure. Mm. Not not just for animals, but for uh, uh, marine propulsion units. Yeah, and cutlass bearings don't do well with that. Exactly. No. How about John? Have you, what, what, what is your most the, common? The biggest plan? thing I see is the plastic bags, without plastic question. Bags. And you see also the styrofoam cups. Yeah. You know anything that you use normally. Some of them just throw it over the side. Yeah. The researcher from the uh, Isle of Shoals Marine uh, Lab says, we'll never get rid of plastics. It's done so many wonderful good things for humanity, but we have to decide what is the good stuff we want to keep and what's the stuff that's really unnecessary and a waste. we got to figure out as a society, but certainly the impacts to wildlife will help inform decisions about the more dangerous forms of plastics. You know? And it is so much more recyclable than, than it's happening right now. It's just uh, it's a shame that we're just throwing a possible resource, or a real resource, away. Mm. Uh, again, uh, unintended consequences, mixed blessings. Uh, from the Bangor Daily News, uh, Gwyn Dyer editorial, uh, my favorite guy, he's, on, uh, he's a Newfoundlander, writes on uh, Tuesdays. The United Nations is is about to, uh, they're working right now on a um, marine treaty they're going to pass, uh, hopefully by 2020, the conservation and sustained use of marine biological diversity areas beyond national jurisdiction. And what that means is uh, fish out of sight of land, more than 200 uh, miles from shore. And as he says here, the high seas used to mean all of the oceans beyond a cannon shot from land, but they have shrunk. All of the ocean with 200 nautical miles of land now is in some countries' exclusive economic zone, and protecting fish stocks within the exclusive economic zones is a task of more than 100 sovereign states with ocean coastlines. Some do it well, most don't. But out beyond the 200 nautical mile exclusive economic zones is still the, quote, high seas where nobody regulates fishing, and that's half the planet's entire surface, containing 90% of the world's biomass. But back in the 80s, when the U.N. members were negotiating the law of the sea, hardly anybody was out there, but they're out there now, and they're taking as much as they want. These trawlers are about the size of World War I dreadnoughts, hmm. and it's thought that uh, we could enforce this with um, uh, satellite technology. These people will show up good from overhead, 
And the treaty's main achievement, if it succeeds, will be to create and supervise marine protected areas on the high seas in which no fishing whatever is permitted. Hopefully to uh, leave nursery zones to improve the fishing closer to land. It's a good plan, yes, but let's, uh, let's go to a phone call. We have one call. I believe this is Captain Yo. Good morning, Yo. Good morning. This is Captain Yo. Yes. Welcome to Boat Talk. Thank you. I'm not uh, at the helm today because of the weather, so I can be on Boat Talk for the first time this summer. But I had some comments about uh, plastic. I was just doing plastic. I uh, rode out across the cove yesterday taking advantage of the astronomical high tides to scoot over the ordinarily not flooded places. And I came back with a boatload of plastic. However, when I bring back a boatload of plastic, I call it macro plastic because... The plastic that you find, the plastic that you see, the plastic that clutters up all the beaches is only the larger pieces. And they're fairly easy to collect because the colors are usually at variance with the natural colors. And the biggest bulk of what I collected the other day on the beach was lobster buoys. But there were plenty of bottles and bags and gloves and bottle caps. And I had a comment about what you said earlier. It's a little unfair to say people toss things overboard. Yeah, of course, some people do. But stuff blows overboard. Stuff spills overboard. It's not all of marine origin, although right here there's a lot of fishing gear. And I can feel some sense of duty by cleaning up the moop matter out of place from this beautiful beach out here, which is part of uh, Maine Coast Heritage Trust and um, is open to the public. And I want it to be beautiful. However, however, I just couldn't get the thought out of my mind that it's kind of pointless to pick up the macroplastic because the water's the seaweed, the sand, the everything is permeated with microplastic. Microplastic that's been in the environment for going on 80 years since plastic was invented as the miracle material. And nobody thought back in the 50s and 60s that it would have this toxic effect. It was so solid. It was so smooth. It was, it's safe for food. But now all those little particles are everywhere in everything, and they're invisible, and they can't be filtered out. And, and so let's keep picking up the macroplastics so the beaches look nice. Yo, the part of the uh, Shoals Laboratory thing about plastics uh, and birds I left out was they're uh, doing uh, the science they can right on the island kind of crudely. They're doing things they can observe a millimeter and up. What they're looking for is a lab that can analyze bird poop form because that's where you're going to find the micro stuff in, in the guano, uh, which is what they want to work on. But good point, man. Thanks you for calling. You can find it in all the soft tissues yeah. of every living being throughout the entire planet. They stress the availability of guano as a research material. You know, thank you for putting on this program, and thank you to everyone for being Community Radio. Thank you, Captain Yu. 
Um, no, we had a phone call, but it, they got they hung up. So okay. we're we're back online. While we're down in the Isle of Shoals again, um, you mentioned the uh, the herring that are down being uh, becoming a very prime fish as far as uh, people who want them and animals who want them. That's going to be coming to a, a crash point, I believe, pretty soon. But um, I wanted to go to another fishing-related item. This one's over in Europe, England between England and France. They're having a scallop war over there. Oh, we have Giffy back on, so I'll quick go, go to that. <laughs> Good morning, Giffy. Welcome to Boat Talk. Yes, well, uh, glad to, glad to get a chance to talk with you. Good to hear you again. Yeah, go ahead. So uh, I heard a couple of months ago. Uh, well, heard the bad news first that. Uh, Maynard's wife Annie had died. Real sweet woman, um, and, but that you had made a, uh, uh, I guess it's, we call it a, uh, a scholarship fund in her name at the Penobscot Marine Museum. Is that correct? That is correct. Uh, uh, Anne Bray uh, was certainly an asset in the boat uh, world, uh, and she ran the library for. And research for a number of years at Wooden Boat, and uh, they didn't want any big affairs over her loss. And uh, so uh, I felt uh, bad about it, and I thought that we should do something of value in her name. And I thought it would be uh, wonderful to be able to fund one or two young people to uh, the sailing world. Uh, as as you know, that uh, numerous yacht clubs on the coast have sailing programs for the uh, children of their membership, which is great. But that leaves the ordinary people in uh, the coastal world uh, without the opportunities to learn to sail. And I thought we could do something in that light and, and, and at least get a chance to bring one child uh, coming along to learn to sail. And that's something, if they get that chance, it'll stay with them all their life. And uh, I know, you know, it's, it's a real asset to young people. So... Anyhow, we just put a simple thing together to raise money to send a child to wooden boat school at, 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 in their sailing program. I thought that would be the, the most logical and best way to do such a thing. And fortunately, we've been able to raise enough money, and we got one young lady about 16 and she uh, had a wonderful week here at Wooden Boat School, and we, I think we have money enough left over, so at least we can do it another year. I would, however, like to see it continue, and it's a simple thing for anybody interested to contribute to that account at through, at and through Penobscot Marine Museum. And uh, I think that would be great. Uh, that will stay with a young person for a long time. 
Okay. Very good, Giffy. We'll put that information on the uh, boattalk.org website for anybody who would like to yeah, it's, follow it's, it's, that. It's a really a great thing, and it's, uh, there's, there's no limits. Uh, just there is an age factor that comes into it. Uh, probably uh, a, a, a young person, uh, boy or girl, between the ages of 13, 14, and 16 or 17. And uh, I, I, think it's, I think it's great. I, it's been successful right off the bat. And uh, I'm very happy about it. Yes, it's a good thing. If you, it could be a life-changing moment for somebody who, uh, who takes oh, up yeah, sailing. Definitely, definitely. That, uh, an interested person, you know, stays with them a long time. They not only learn how to sail, they learn how to work sailing with other people. And, uh, you know, the whole thing is, to me, it's an asset. Very good. Uh, Good for you, Giffy. Um, Giffy, John Johansson is here today, and I think he'd like to say hello to you, too. Yes. Go ahead. How you doing? I'm doing good, because I just just, uh, addressed a letter to you, Okay. Okay. Yeah, okay. Okay. Yeah, and uh, you'll be getting it in the mail, okay? Well, I'll be down in an hour. Oh, okay. Well, then why? You, you just saved me 50 cents. That's good. <laughs> okay. I, I, I'm known for being close with a buck, you know. <laughs> yeah, good. All right. Well, well thank th- you. Thank you very thank much, Giffy. I'm yeah, glad you're doing you. well. Thank Wonderful tribute to Ann Bray to uh, celebrate her passing by bringing along new people. We should mention that Maynard, uh, Ann's husband, was one of the original founders of this show. Yep, Maynard and uh, Joel White were talked into coming over and doing a a boat call-in show. Now, they weren't radio people. They did it gamely a bunch of times, and we kind of inherited it. How lucky are we, Alan? (laughs) The other one that had something to do with this was Bill Page. Yeah. Bill Page, right, yes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Paul uh, Boathauler down in uh, uh, Brooklyn, uh, Paul... Uh, Braden. Yeah, Paul Braden. And he have a little bit to do with it, too, I think. I don't know. So anyway, Kathy, Kathy, uh, Kalen, Melio back in the day uh, helped set that up. We should uh, give a sort of a public service announcement for people who have boats. Uh, if you haven't heard it already, there's a new uh, alert out from the Coast Guard. They're discovering the LED lights may be interfering with uh, some electronics, particularly your AIS, and maybe um, uh, uh, unintended thing. consequences. Yeah, yeah. Uh, a, a, another form that's called um, DSC. I don't know what that is, but that's a... Uh, well, I don't either. AIS yeah, is automatic. If, uh, if you're indicating. having problems with your electronics, you might want to try to turn off all your LEDs and see if that makes a difference. Yeah, a lot of vessels nowadays uh, have AIS systems which broadcast your, your uh, vessel name uh, basically to other vessels on the uh, GPS. 
so that uh, I'm coming up to Delaware Bay a couple weeks ago, and I'm coming to uh, Miyamaya Shoal where there's a four-foot spot. I can't get around outside the buoys, and there's a, a big car carrier called Columbia right up my butt. <laughs> but I know his name. It's right on my GPS machine. So, uh, Columbia, how are you doing this, uh, this evening, you know? I'm, Hope you can stop quick. <laughs> I'm going to stay over here outside the buoys, and, uh, you know, when we get the squeeze part, I'm going to slow down, let you go by, have a good night. And, you know, it's nice to be able to call people and talk and to them. And they responded. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's good. It's a great system. The yeah, we have another phone call, so let's go to Catherine in Alpiston. Hi. Good morning, Catherine. Good morning, you two. Um, I just want to bring everybody's attention to the Cajun Navy. This is about water and boats. So um, are you aware of the Cajun Navy? I think they came about. No, sounds delicious. Well, no, they came about um, after, uh, in Louisiana, after Katrina hit. And they are a volunteer group of people that go to any disasters, water disasters, flooding disasters with their boats. And right now, there are people from all over the country, part of the Cajun Navy, that are heading towards the Carolinas. And if anybody ever needed donations, they do. You should look them up on YouTube or on Google, Cajun Navy. Um, they're a wonderful, wonderful group of people, hearts on their sleeves, and they're headed now. And if anybody has any extra money, just Google them and uh, donate. They're a really, really, really good cause. And I think I've been following this Florence, and it's going to stall over those states um, for possibly four days, bringing copious amounts of rain, I think 60 inches. So it's called the Cajun Navy. C A J U N Navy. So anyway, you should look into it because they're a fantastic group of people. Oh, thank you, Catherine. I appreciate the heads okay. up. Okay, bye bye. Now we're doing boat talk this morning. We got Dean Pike in here from the uh, uh, the boat school and John Johansson from Maine Coastal News and uh, trying to get through the uh, opening bit here. But we're wandering a little bit. We got two things we got to mention before we and we got way too much stuff to talk to these people about. Um. From the uh, Ellsworth American, uh, Stephen Rappaport, waterfront uh, column, the Gulf of Maine suffers an ocean, quote, heat wave this summer. And uh, over the last 30 years, the researchers at the Gulf of Maine Institute said the uh, Gulf is warmed at a rate of 0.06 degrees centigrade uh, per year, and that is three times the global average. But over the last 15 years, this region has warmed at more than seven times the global average. Measured over either period, the Gulf of Maine is warming faster than 99% of the water on the planet. And that just ain't a good thing. So, uh, whoops. No. <laughs> that could be the call That's... about my intended extended car warranty I get a couple times a day nowadays. <laughs> um <laughs> So anyway, this, um, again, it's not going away, and uh, we've had uh, records. They're ongoing. It's, uh, uh, and again, the uh, uh, big point we made uh, interviewing Christopher White about the last lobster book in July is that basically the fisheries are temperature-dependent, especially lobsters. And uh, again, it's uh, not a situation that things are going to stay the same. Is, is, it's, it's in change right now, and it's, uh, again, uh, try to replace that factory that we have on the main coast of uh, uh, lobster in here with something else. It's uh, not going to be easy. So, The other thing we got to uh, uh, reference before we get talked to our guests here is the Maine Small Craft Celebration coming up uh, 
weekend of September 22 and 23. I'm looking forward to that. I don't know if I'm going to be able to make it. I'm going to try to. Uh, it's going to be a great show. It's uh, a small boat, by their definition, is a boat that you can carry. Or uh, a, a put on a dolly. Put, put on yeah. a dolly. Yeah. dolly no, they'll take bigger ones. Yeah. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm assuming they will because my boat, uh, three people can carry. And I, I'm hoping maybe that might make it under the limit. But it's, you know, it's a small boat. I'm glad this 14 three, feet. three of you here besides me. Uh, this is uh, Finn Sprague. We talked to him last month about this, Portland Yacht Services. This will be down on the Portland waterfront. Um, they're going to try to limit the uh, show to hand-carried and uh, dollyable boats. They want it to be fun, inexpensive, and enduring. Uh, one of the great features they're going to uh, promote is a try-it-and-like-it boat. You get to uh, talk to the fellow who designed and maybe built the boat and then sit in it and go for a ride. Uh, they want your butt in a boat on the water. There'll be a juried boat contest, uh, a nautical flea market, a boat sale, and a kid's area, the music and food, you know. How can they go wrong? Finn Sprague is trying to come up with a different kind of boat show and make it participatory. I think it's I think it's kind of visionary. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm thinking that that's that's true too. I, I like boats that you don't have to take your shoes off to go down. Maine Small Craft Celebration uh, again, uh, weekend of September 22 and 23 down to Portland. So that's about the stuff we wanted to get out before we talk to these people sitting here. So. And we already used up almost well, half a boat yeah, dock, so we're talking a lot here. Yeah, uh, let's go to Dean Pike. I, you are the head of the Eastport uh, Boat Building School. Is that the official title? Well, the, the, I'm I'm actually the chair of the uh, Friends of the Boat School, mm -hmm. uh, FOBS for short, and uh, we own yeah. that we own the facility. Uh, uh, it, it's a, it's about a one one and a half million dollar facility that we acquired back in 2012 thereabouts, mm. and uh, we we have kind of mothballed it and at at that point in time and done a bunch of evaluation. Very exciting time to to grow this school back, and that's what we're here pushing to today. Is let let people know we've got a uh, we've got some wind under our sails here, and uh, we're going to, uh, first of all, uh, get the word out that we're back. That's the main, that's the main goal. Right. Yes. Well, this is what we're, we're here for, and I'm glad to help you. Um, let's go off track first. Just I have a, a little strange question. I'm thinking, you're, you're Dean Pike. Are you in any relation to Chester Pike? Uh, no, unfortunately not, you know. Uh, Dad, Dad was from Eastport. Mother was from Lubeck. So, uh, uh, hence, hence, uh, didn't grow up with a lot of loot in my pocket. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, yeah. I'm thinking of Chester Pike, the boat. Actually, the boat, too. Yeah. Chester I'm Pike. sure. I'm sure he was a person before he was a boat. Was a sar sa sardine carrying boat. Uh, Dean, you're a native. Uh, graduated from Callis High School, and uh, you have Moose Island Marine down to Eastport. That is, that is correct. Yeah. Uh, uh, I was one of the first people from Callis to go to the boat school. and that, 78. That was in 78, yeah. and it was, uh, we were the last class to start there. And then during that, during that summer, the school moved to its current location in Eastport. So you've been uh, really all sides of this thing. The point I guess I'm going to make to the uh, native here, a uh, business owner, a uh, graduate of the boat school, this... Uh, uh, Eastport, Maine is out of the way. 
Yes. Fair to is. say. Yeah. 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 I oh. ha- I had a Mason forty four uh, uh, sailboat uh, captain job for fourteen years with a Learjet. Okay. Yes. Sir. As a tender, and uh, he liked to go to St Andrews, New Brunswick. I figured out that he could fly the plane in and out of, of Eastport. Has a nice little airstrip. Right behind my boatyard. Yeah, so about a dozen times I commuted to uh, Eastport. I used to work in Eastport. I commuted mm-hmm. by yacht, and uh, I, I, I arrived by Lear, uh, yacht and always left by Learjet. <laughs> uh, Eastport, one of my favorite places for about a dozen odd years there. Um, but it is out of the way. And yeah. that yeah. is, um, as we like to point out, one of its assets. And, uh, again, something that, uh, you know, uh, we got to work on a little bit. But the fact is that... Uh, this boat school, uh, the the whole idea, let alone the physical plant there, is a huge asset and a place that needs, you know, as much as it can work with. Yeah, there's a, there's a lot of marine activities going on in, in eSport. You've got uh, aquaculture. You've got uh, transoceanic shipping. You've got traditional commercial fishing. You know, we cover the, the gamut. There There isn't a big uh, uh, bottom fish fishery there anymore much anymore, but uh, certainly scallops, urchins, lobsters, you know, big, big business. And of course, having having the airport there is an asset. And of course, uh, having having a boat school there is is big in the community. Uh, bring people to eSport, get them to do stuff, spend money, and, you know, Ab- abs- make things. Absolutely. Uh, way, way back, uh, way back, the, the, the positive uh, impact to the community is is well over a million a year, uh, and that's just with the students housing and eating in restaurants and having their cars repaired. You know, it's a lot of lot of spinoff. And we gotta we gotta make sure people understand this. Boat school's got a long history. You were one of the first uh, classes back in '78, and uh, but the place is mothballed right now. It's not. Correct. Not, work, not working right now. Cor- correct. Correct. And has struggled. Uh, we've we've talked. Uh, I can't. I can't think of how many times we've talked about the boat school over the years here. Yeah, three or four, anyway. Uh, more than more than uh, a lot more than that. So, uh, yeah. And the problem being that it's such an asset. It is such a uh, great. Um, uh, the boat industry down here is very healthy. They need workers. Exactly. Uh, so you can't fake experience is one of the things we like to point out on Boat Talk. A school is a good way to get some experience. And uh, so, again, a uh, pretty valuable idea and piece of gear for Eastport, Maine, but it hasn't worked out. Yeah, it's, it, we, we're, we're pretty excited that we've, we have taken a little bit of time to, to evaluate the needs of the industry so that we don't, uh, we don't stumble as we kick this, kick this off. Uh, and and of course it's a you know it's a private it's a private school the uh, uh, it's it's a tremendous undertaking and uh, we've got a lot of alumni behind us and that's the neat thing about it is there's a th- you know well over a thousand people that uh, went through that school in in boat building commercial fishing marine finishing and marine mechanics all of all are necessary along the main coast. Well, I think one of the big things that you have to look at is why they're down. That, that that's sort of what I'm fault. asking. It hasn't, and, and that's not their fault. It's great potential. It hasn't worked. Why? And, right. And, and how can we? Well, one of the people that kicked him in the teeth was Hudson College. They were affiliated with uh, right, and uh, then when Washington, they closed, Washington County Community uh, College, and then uh, transferred to the uh, 
uh, supervision of Hudson College. And, and neither of them did him any favors. Yeah. So when you go back and you look at the history and then you put on top of it, it got given to him by the state, and then there's a lawsuit. And the reason that they had to mothball it is because if the lawsuit was won, they would have had to actually pay back all the tuition that had been collected or find them alternatives for that education. So do you want to take that liability on? They mm -hmm. had no choice but to actually close it down. Yeah. Mm. And the other side of it is you also look at the students that have come out of there. Some of the best people on this coast that are working in the boat building industry came from the boat school. Oh, no, no argument there. No. Yeah. There's some really impressive people out in the industry that came from the boat school. Yeah. So its location isn't the problem. It's actually, you know, getting it back on level ground and going forward. You a college graduate, John? Somewhat. Party? <laughs> uh, little partying down to your school? No, I never party. I went, no. I went to college in Nova Scotia. I never lied either. <laughs> I went to college in Nova Scotia to avoid the University of Maine. And when I came back, uh, I thought we partied hard until I came back visiting my friends that uh, went to fraternities. and uh, Good <laughs> Lord. But you've got to give people some uh, fun when they're down to school, you know, in eSport, like I say. You do. But some of them are going to come at an advanced age. Yeah. They, they may not come out of high school. So some of them that, in fact, have passed alumni, they were already in their 20s when they went. So yeah. they have a little more perspective on, you know, let's be a little more serious. A little more centered, yes. Yeah. The advantage of, I wish I was a mature student when I went to college. Uh, now, you know. there's some great stories at Eastport, too, about some of the parties. There's one that fell off a balcony and broke both arms. Uh-huh. <laughs> How do you explain that to mom? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was an accident. Yeah, yeah. it was an accident. <laughs> you know, one of the, one of the things that, that, uh, that comes out when, when people do ask about, uh, gee, when are you, when you going to open, when are you going to start, those questions are, are, are very hopeful and encouraging because it actually means that people are interested in taking the, the classes and they want this back. And that's what we're about to provide. Uh, and that's what we're here today for. I think for. your timing is good, too, because last April on Boat Talk, we talked with people who are starting up the marine, the main marine magnet school in Searsport. Correct. And that seems like a real pretty direct conduit from the magnet school right to the eSport school. You could have some pretty good experience by the time you're you're out of the eSport school. Yeah, certainly, certainly the, the school uh, – uh, has provided in the past, and there's no reason we're listening to builders and and boatyard owners about what what uh, what skills they specifically want and need. And uh, to us, that's the most important thing is to listen to the people that are doing the hiring, uh, in, in, indeed. And uh, you know the the demand for mechanics, for painters, for boat builders, composite technicians, you. You name it. Uh, I mean, uh, other related fields that that uh, that certainly crop up are canvas workers, sail makers. Uh, go find people to do that stuff is is pretty tough. Professional so, boat captains would be exactly. Uh, yeah, yeah. Fine background. Well, one of the one of the one of the things that we always did in uh, in, in boat building was we actually had a uh, a a boat. Uh, a boat handling course, and it didn't mean just that we were handling them on land. We were handling them, handling them on water, too, you know. It's yeah. all needed. Yeah, especially if you're a self-employed boat builder. You <laughs> you certainly need to know all the phases, including what to do with it when it hits the water. 
Exactly. And how not to hit the dock too hard. <laughs> right. Let me try for that. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, so, um, phone number one one eight six 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 two five nine three seven eight. If you want to join the discussion about the uh, eSport boat school this morning, um, so we've got a uh, uh, nine uh, thirteen acres land down there, a bunch of buildings that are uh, sitting in need need repair, haven't been heated for a while. Um, first thing is to get the buildings back in shape, correct? E exactly. That's our uh, that that's the our. First goal is to focus on developing a, con a comprehensive renovation plan. We we have taken the past year and and developed a, a strategic planning uh, uh, document, which is on our f which is on our website uh, theboatschool.org that any anybody can come and and check out. Um, but yeah, the every every good uh, institution needs a good foundation. Uh, with fifty years behind us, we've we've got a pretty good foundation. But now we need a roof, <laughs> literally. Do we, do we have a dollar? Do we have a dollar in the bank? Uh, how are we going to pay for fixing these buildings? Well, and who's going to do it? Well, it's it's uh, we we have a a contractor that specializes in the type of uh, Butler buildings that that all those buildings are. Uh, we've we've uh, we've had a lot of help from the University of Maine Civil Engineering and uh, uh, Environmental uh, d Department on uh, and and Ames Engineering Associates to to develop a plan uh, for uh, you know re some reconstruction, but the ru the the buildings are tremendously sound buildings, but. They need a new roof. They they had one of those uh, membrane roofs, and in a blow there a couple of years ago, took a big amount of it. Mm -hmm. And as as far as funding, you know, our goal is is a half a million bucks. The initial uh, the initial roof job is is about three hundred thousand of that. Um, and we ha we are ready to partner with several uh, government and private foundations for for getting matching funds. So, uh, you know, if, if we can raise a dollar, we have the potential of getting two mm, out of yeah. it, you know. That's always the hard part, isn't it? Yes. We have a, another phone call, so let's go to David in Brooklyn. Good morning, David. Good morning. Thanks for the show. Good to hear Giffy on the air again. Yeah. Uh, I, I just wanted to share a couple of recollections back from the uh, the boat school up in Eastport. I was there. Must have been in oh seventy nine or something like that. One of the, one of the early years, they had the uh, they had the CETA program going, and um, I, I studied marine finishing with uh, Jim Day, and uh, it was a it was a wonderful experience. I just you know I remember back in those days, Eastport was pretty much of a ghost town there was there was the the waco diner that was the hot spot and uh, uh, we'd all hang out there at lunchtime and uh, uh yeah there was some partying going on but there was there was a lot of there was a lot of good teaching going on too and, uh, i remember we uh we uh sanded and stripped and varnished until we were blue in the face on a, on a little old uh Old Town dinghy that somebody had donated to us. A nice boat. And it was all laps and bent ribs and hard to get at places. And, uh, Jim was Jim was a, a teacher of uh, not only uh, uh, mechanical stuff but 
moral stuff too. I remember he took us on a tour up and down the uh, coast once. You know, visited a lot of boatyards. And, and uh, one of the things he said to us is, "You got to be really careful if you're working in this field or any, basically any craft field on on this coast. You know, you you don't put down another craftsman's work. You know." Uh, that's just one of the rules. You, you don't put it down. There's always a reason why they did it the way they did it. And uh, you got to look for that before you say anything. And uh, that was a, a really good piece of general teaching for me. Can you explain who Jim Day is? Jim Day is uh, one of Arno Day's son. Uh, Arno uh, was a resident of Brooklyn here, and uh, he built some awful nice lobster boats. And uh, uh, Jim has passed too. Jim Jim went up to uh, Canada, up to uh, Saint Andrews. Saint Andrews, yeah, and uh, taught up there for a while. And uh, really fine gentleman. A lot of respect for him. And I just you know reminiscing about the early days in Eastport when the, the fish fish dock there was nothing but a big old abandoned building, a bunch of pylons and falling down planks and, and uh, the head there was unoccupied uh, it was like you know it was a wonderful experience so I, I hope he can get it back again I, I mourned the uh, the passing of the original boat school I've been watching it a little bit here and there coming and going flickering like a, well, like a candle in the wind and I, I hope you get a fire going under it I, I wish you all the best you know education in the craft you can't beat it Please check us out on on uh, theboatschool.org, and uh, uh, th- there's a spot in there where you can put your email address down so can, so we can get you on a mailing list. I'll put a snail mail address on there. If yeah, to yeah, that. that's that's good too. We like those too. I go, but you know, I, I can get on there. I can get on the email maybe if I. <laughs> main main thing is keep in touch. Yeah, yeah. Appreciate right. your recommendation, David. That was a good, a good program. Excellent program. Yeah. Thanks a lot. Thanks, David. So, um, Dean, are you familiar with Ben Emery? I, I, am not. I've, I've heard the, I've heard the name. Yeah, I, I, you probably have heard the name. He's, he's one of the original investors in the, in the, in the school many, many years ago. He's going to be on our show next week, and I just wondered if oh, perhaps oh. there might be some connection there. Yeah. Well, the, uh, during the beginning, when, we, of course, I started over in, over in Lubeck, and there was a lot going on at that time. There was, there was a lot of fundraising, a lot of, of uh, back then, I, I think it was, it was uh, the Maine Boat Builders and Repairers Association is actually what it was called back then. There was a lot of cooperation with those guys. And, uh, uh, sev- of course, Junior Miller, who, who uh, used to run Southwest Boat Corp, uh, was, was a, a key player in that. And he brought a lot of people on board that, uh, you know, once, once again, that's, the kind, that's what it takes. It takes people with, with passion and some loot. Yeah, well, yeah, and Junior Miller had a lot of boat building connections. He knew how to talk to and who was good. Yeah. That was a good asset. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, we have another phone call. Let's go to Frank from Lemoyne. Good morning, Frank. Yeah, hi. I kind of go along with what Mike was leading into, which is very directly say it. I think rather than keep pouring money into the boat school in Eastport, which I also love, but going to 72, it needs to move. 
to a more viable community. Mm. You know, I I don't know if anybody that's, who's on the radio lives in Eastport who works at the boat school. I have a neighbor who lives in Marlboro, Maine, who ran the boat school and commuted from Marlboro to Eastport. So that should tell you something right there. The people who run the school don't even want to live up there. And I like Eastport. <laughs> it's just too far in the sticks. You ought to to keep spending money by kicking the dead horse of Eastport. They ought to move it to a more central, on the coast location. That would just be my, my so humble suggestion. Well, that, that's not uh, what I was hinting at at all, Frank. Uh, I'm more for developing eSport, and, and that's the goal, is to make eSport more than it, it is and all it can be. I agree. Um, the physical location is remarkable. And as they say here, uh, hoping to sell, we're hoping to sell it for its unique location. This is in your uh, document up on the website with your mm-hmm. consultants there. They're hoping to yep. sell uh, it for its u- unique location. There are pros and cons to being in Down East Maine. We're trying to figure out how to market the pros, you know. Um, can't uh, move eSport physically. It's still going to be there, and it needs to do something, and, and uh, you know. One of the other things that eSport, uh, actually the boat school can do that is go on the road. Good point. Now, yes. there's actual, uh, one of the, uh, is Johnny Vinyl, who works for Hodgson Yacht Services on Southport Island. He's more than willing to be a satellite teacher. And there's other ones up and down the coast that would be willing to do that or actually go out and teach courses. Well, duh, you don't have to be anywhere necessarily in this computer age. Mm-mm. You can be anywhere. That's right. And connected still. Good duh. point. Yeah, even in Eastport. And the facility that Eastport has, most people would kill for. Yeah, that's, that is, yeah. that's an incredible That's the point building. I've been making, the, the acreage in the, the physical plant, yes. Right. Yeah. The waterfront there, mm-hmm. Deep Cove, yeah. It's, it, it's the waterfront. Uh, the, you know, we've got a 60-ton uh, travel lift that, that uh, we can uh, use to, to teach travel lift ops on. Uh, I... I, I know what what Frank alludes to, and and it has been an issue, you know, off and on since since day one. But I I often uh, lead lead to the story about the kid that wanted to go to Harvard. Uh, if 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 Harvard was at the North Pole, people would still go there. Uh, I think you, you know you, you got you if you bring a quality program with a quality uh, environment and and uh, facility people will come. Now, look at the changes in Eastport over the last 25 years. Oh, yeah, it's tremendous. I mean, it's it's incredible how Eastport's grown. Um, Chris Gardner with the uh, Port Authority. Uh, We've talked to Chris quite a bit. He's excellent. He's, uh, you know. Interesting uh, character. Interesting character. (laughs) Nobody more uh, cheerleader for Eastport, Maine. No, absolutely not. and, uh, yeah, and there's been a couple of dreams along the way. Now, this uh, whole thing changed uh, back around uh, 2011 and 12 or so. Um, a uh, company called Ocean Renewable Power Company out of Florida, they were building turbines. They want to put a turbine right. in mer- moving water. Correct. And the dream then was to own the turbine world uh, centered in Eastport, Maine. Whatever happened to... Well, they they still uh, they are now centered. Their their offices are, or at least one of their offices, in, is in Portland. They're still a, a viable company. Uh, they did a lot of uh, a lot of their prototypes were were built uh, in Eastport. As a matter of fact, some of the first blades that were built were built at the boat school. Uh, 
and uh, they uh, uh, they've they've gone through several transitions as far as the type of generator. Um, but like any company, it had growing pains, but they're still with it. They're still doing stuff out on the West Coast. As a matter of fact, they're, they're getting ready to do another series of tests in uh, Western Passage between Eastport and Deer Island. So is it the same one the, that they originally developed that looked like an old lawnmower blade? I, I believe so. Yeah, it looked I like bl- a push mower. I, yeah, yeah, a push mower yeah, blade, yeah. 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 I, I believe so. And it guys. sat vertically in the water, I think, didn't it? No, 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 no they're horizontal. Or, okay, yeah. And, so, and some, some designs, they were fixed to the bottom. Other designs, they floated. You know, there's, you, you know. And if you can make power from moving water, that's how we developed this country. Well, the water wheel, basically. That's, that's right. Yeah, you know, mill ponds. All the all the uh, water uh, right there, uh, tidal mills. Yeah, that's how they all work. Yeah, coming and going. Franklin Roosevelt back in the uh, day tried yeah. to get a uh, uh, big power thing going, a tidal power thing going down to Quaddy, but that's right. The it, potential is still there. Oh, ab- absolutely. And uh, anyway, that that was just uh, that was just one of the companies that that partnered with uh, with the boat school back then. And again, that was a hell of a little dream for a while. The future was enormous, and now we're in the future, and it's you know <laughs> not so enormous. <laughs> yeah, and and again, you look at uh, if you Google the boat school, you'll get the current page. But the uh, the last activity in the Google area was you know back back in that era, 2011. Yep. Uh, you know when all the uh, OP. OPRC thing and uh, uh, Perry Mar- Marine Construction bought the boat yep. school for a little while from the town. Yep, the town was subsidizing it uh, with tax money for a while there. That made well, some... it, it was it was owned and uh, it was owned by the uh, by the city, and uh, it, of course it it cost it cost the city money, but people forget that it also made a lot of money. Uh, because rents, you know, rents were being paid. Uh, I didn't realize till I got on the budget committee uh, shortly after the school uh, was was mothballed how how what how much money the city of Eastport made on that property. But of course, in typical fashion, people like to just talk about how much something cost, <laughs> forgetting how much it brought in. And 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 of course, the the intangible uh, asset of having so many young people in town that was hard to put a put a value on but yeah this the 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 city had you know felt that it had to had to sell it which which they did and and uh, um now now parts parts of the old property are owned by uh, first perry realty and they've been good partners with both um the friends friends of the boat school fobs and uh and, and my boatyard of course still still utilizes some of the uh, some of the waterfront there. I read the uh, document on the boat school website about the uh, future plans for the boat school there, and, and economists, of course, do know how to quantify the uh, value of those kids coming to town and, and the uh, additional dollars, and uh, the multiplying effect is is very impressive. It's it's astounding, and, you, you know, of course, you know, in, you know, people that have moved to town in the past six years don't realize that impact and not out of my back pocket is another great american sentiment yep. nowadays yep. i yep. ain't paying I ain't them paying to, for, for that, that. Yep. no not i no well we're we're certainly not asking the we, we only want to be a positive impact to the to the city 
and uh, and indeed help businesses out in in uh, in esport. And of course, you got you you've got some tremendously successful uh, uh, festivals up there: the Fourth of July, the Salmon Festival, and this pirate. past weekend the Pirate Festival. <laughs> um, uh, explain. Uh, um, uh, I got to mention pirates. Uh, I I just uh, have no romance about pirates. I'm a professional mariner. Yeah. I'm, I'm prey, you know. Yeah. I have no romance about pirates whatsoever. Yeah. Um, a lot of but, these are plastic swords. But the Fourth of July in Eastport, Maine, is kind of special. Can you can you explain why the history of? Uh, well, it's it it's uh, traditionally it's been Homecoming Week. It's when everybody came, you know, comes back that's graduated from uh, local area schools, and it is one big homecoming. <laughs> and there's always uh, we, we've been very fortunate. Uh, I'm also on the Port Authority up there, so I uh, we we have done everything we can do. Uh, Chris Gardner, Bob Peacock ha- have been crucial in getting Navy ships in, and and of course having Roosevelt as the uh, uh, was the Assistant Secretary of the Navy, or was he? A, well, anyway, he he was and had a summer home on Camp and, and Bell, had a su- loved the area, right, right, which his favorite place on earth, right, right. Yeah. And uh, th- there's there's a lot of uh, history uh, having the Roosevelts in that in that area. Um, esports always been big on the Fourth of July. Well, the way I understand it is that esport uh, after uh, I don't think it was the Revolution. I think it was the War of 1812 was uh, one of the last. It was the last piece of America to be returned to American control. <laughs> is, boy, 1819. Boy. Yeah, it took a long time to come back to America, and that's that's why they're especially fierce on the fourth down to Eastport because they didn't get celebrated for a couple of years. I, I commend you on your research. Yeah. You're, you're spot on. Oh, love to read the, the history. The, you know? uh, as a matter of fact, we just had a reenactment uh, of when uh, the British turned the city back over to the residents. We just had that earlier yeah. this year. It was nice. like, yeah. oh, yeah, it was, it nice. was, it was we great. Have, we have another phone call, so let, let's yeah. quickly go to, go to Peter. I'm afraid this is going to be the last phone call. Good morning, Peter. Welcome to Boat Talk. Good, good morning. Good morning. Hi. Um, I'm glad to talk about the history uh, because I wanted to make a public service announcement about a program uh, that we'll be having in Blue Hill this Sunday. Uh, Colin Woodard's written a book called The Lobster Coaxed, and it's basically a social history of uh, 400 years of coastal Maine and how the waves of people from away have come and may do over those 400 years. And many of the families uh, that are still here today have have done this through the fisheries and, as you have been talking about, uh, through the boat building. So... um, Colin Woodard's going to come talk at the George Stevens Academy on Sunday, September 16th at 3 o'clock. Um, and uh, I thought your folks might want to know about that because it ties uh, directly to what, you know, the discussion that you guys are having. I'm sure that would be of interest to high school students and their families who are trying to figure out, you know, how how is this going to work for our generations, uh, our generation and future ones. That's exactly what you've been talking about. Um the other thing I should mention about this talk is that it's uh, there's seven co-sponsors of it. Um, so Colloquy Down East, um, based in Blue Hill, um, provides um, seminars, uh, month-long seminars on topics of local interest. But there are also three historical societies, the Brooklyn Peeping Society, uh, the Wilson Museum, 
and Castine and the Cedric Historical Society who are sponsoring, and they, they're interested in the history of livelihoods as well and how that applies uh, to the present. Uh, also, the Ellsworth American, um, George Stevens, of course, and then uh, of interest to you, the Maine Center for Coastal Fisheries in Stonington is also a co-sponsor. So I thought your, uh, your listeners might want to know about this program on Sunday, uh, September 16th, uh, 3 o'clock at George Stevens Academy. Peter, we got to tell you, a huge fan of Colin Woodward, uh, read all his stuff, and uh, we were offered an interview with him because he's coming down here. We could, we already had these guys. <laughs> well, I think John may be familiar with Colin, yeah, being from both from Bangor originally, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we'd love to talk to him. They may uh, end up talking to him on Coastal Conversations on this same radio program. Look it up, uh, see when it's scheduled. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Okay, I have one other quick announcement to uh, let people know. Um, coming up on WERU on this Thursday, the 13th at 10 a.m., uh, on our show titled Bookworm with Book Manier. Today, uh, this week, book is, Brooke is going to be having Kevin Johnson, who is the photo archivist for the Penobscot Marine Museum. You may be familiar with him also, oh, John. I know, I know Kevin. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's going to be uh, talking about his book entitled The Early 20th Century in Glass Plate Photography. That could be very interesting. Uh, his book has 200 images um, uh, from the publishing company in Belfast. It's an archive of uh, the early 20th century Maine. If from the Eastern Illustrated Collection. Okay, yeah. Which so. was a postcard company that did photo postcards all over the country. My favorite kind of book is one that has lots of pictures. <laughs> so. Yeah, and good captions because <laughs> Bill Bunting Bill Bunting wrote the captions. Oh, really? Okay, yep, I know Bill. Oh, we've always dreamed of getting Bill on the air, but he will <laughs> not come on the radio. <laughs> Go to his house. Yeah, those old-time uh, photos you'll see in the Maine Coastal News, for instance, that's uh, Bill Bunting. Yeah. So, gentlemen, it's time for us to sail on by. Thanks to Dean Pike and John Johansson for coming on Boat Talk today. It's been real fun. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks to Amy in the engine room.